0: Welcome to another episode of the Snowy's Camping Show. Joined again by myself and Lauren. How are you going today? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I am. Uh, I'm excited today about today's episode. Me too. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, please subscribe uh, to our show via YouTube, your favorite podcast app, and you can jump in on the conversation. Give us your opinions. On the Snowys Camping Banter Facebook group, if you're not already part of it, jump on, ask to join, and uh, there's a quite a community of people. We've got—I mm-hmm. looked the other day—and the numbers have increased significantly. So lots of chat going on there. Now today, we we have a guest, um, and it's about tents, Cedar Summit tents. I've been playing with them recently. They've launched some new tents in the market. It's really exciting. Mm. Uh, I've pitched pitched them. We've done some videos on them, and I'm uh, and I, and I'm not just saying this because. I feel like we should say it or there's some agreement or anything. We are
1: unbiased, authentic product reviewers. Yeah.
0: And we do think highly of Cedar Summit products. And the the tents are no exception. They pitch really well. We've got online someone to talk about that today. We have spoken to Cedar Summit previously about their sleep systems. Um, We spoke to Dean from Cedar Summit. That was. uh, like two studios ago, yeah. that we spoke to him about their sleep systems, which is another awesome thing Cedar Summit have got—not just sleeping bags and mats, an entire mm. sleep system. Mm. But today we have on the line Ross from Cedar Summit. How are you going, Ross?
2: Very, very well, guys. Yourself?
0: I'm well. You're joining us from what looks like the second or third floor in Perth, there uh, in in H- yes. Cedar Summit HQ.
2: STHQ over here in Perth. Yep, uh, top of the building, uh, third story here. Um, gloomy winter's day in Perth, so
0: I'm I'm rugged off. <laughs> At least you've got a window. We're in a little room. Well, we'll just call it the Snowy's Garage.
1: Snowy's Garage. We're in an
0: authentic garage. Where we've got a big TV in. Don't
1: ruin the illusion of greatness. <laughs>
0: Anyway, Uh, Ross, before we jump into it, a little bit about yourself because I've known you for ages. You've been with Cedar Summit for for a significant amount of time. Um, So we're talking about tents, but firstly, about you. What's your uh, position in Cedar Summit and a bit of your background?
2: Yeah, um, so I've been with the business nearly ten years now. Um, My my role at the moment is uh, senior brand manager for for the Cedar Summit brand. Um, Ultimately, responsible for our, our sales performance, I suppose, but. Held a few different roles uh, through the business on the road, you know, visiting um, guys in Adelaide and, and West Australia, and um, yeah, haven't been here ten years, seen a lot of change, and working in a lot of areas. I suppose my my background, uh, I did a degree in outdoor studies many moons ago, and I always tell people that was a lot of outdoors and not a lot of study. Um, <laughs> and uh, but it was it was an important sort of starting point for me. You really get to appreciate quality gear and um, you know what's valuable to you when you're in in some pretty harsh environments. So
1: a bit about me and so from from that um that sort of degree i mean is that like a liberal arts or international relations where it's like great in theory but when you come out of it there's not a huge amount you can do with it <laughs>
2: I think um, perhaps how you apply yourself afterwards Lauren, um, <laughs> may may determine your your future um, but it's a pretty broad spectrum and uh, you're not far from the truth though uh, yeah, right for me, for me okay. it went into retail um, okay. so selling the gear that I was very passionate about and um, having then moved across from the UK to Australia in 2010 um, finding my way in Perth to Cedar summit was um, felt like an inevitability
1: yeah is that like so Cedar summit is a um... Quite a, a significant brand in Australia, I would say, especially in the outdoor adventure space. Is there an equivalent in the UK? Oh,
2: uh, well, there's like so a, many like a, brands stand globally. Out? Yeah. I, I think we're, we're slightly different here in Australia geographically. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're so remote that you probably see slightly more Australian dependent brands um, when you've got somewhere like Europe it's all so close um, yeah, that's it's right, not hard for a brand to jump borders if that makes sense
1: yeah for sure yeah, it does.
0: We're going to have a bit of a deeper dive into a, a bit of behind the scenes. Yeah, with, we will with Cedar Summit at another episode. At another episode, so mm-hmm. uh, we won't get too deep into those questions because okay, I've got loads to received. ask. So Move just making sure you stay on task here, because I <laughs> want to talk about the. We got the products. and hopefully you can see them on the screen there, but on the side, on the bit of a uh, edge, the, there's the tents in the range now. Are your new auto and Telos tents, and there's a few different versions of them. This is the bike pack version here, and some hike versions over there. Uh, and I think on the wall behind you there, there's a, a taste of maybe what what might be coming. And um, the high cost tent. Don't
1: forget about that one.
0: That's what that's what I'm talking. Oh, about. Oh yeah, now. sorry, right. Yeah, pay attention. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, rolls are
1: reversed today, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Crikey, Benji. <laughs> Please,
0: that's a Vegemite this, this morning. Um, no, there's so Cedar Summer. You, I don't think you've ever done tents quite like a dual skin tent like this before you've had um single skin tents in the past but what give us a bit of a rundown on the uh, cedar summit's history in the in the tent category
2: mm, yeah absolutely and i think when we think back to our brand and where we've come from we're very much a and we talk about it here an accessories brand the dry bags the stuff sacks you know your microfiber towels um for us we've always had consider it to be a sort of a shelter category with our tarps um and yeah you, Looted on it a little bit um, when we caught up separately in specialist shelters um, that we've created in the past. Mm. Uh, In the last sort of 10 years, we've really developed into more of an equipment brand and aforementioned sleep systems, our sleeping mats, our sleeping bags. And so to have that sort of solution for someone when they're outside in their next adventure, uh, tents was, it was probably inevitable um, that we'd be entering that space. So a bit of experience in dabbling in the past, but you're right, Ben. Yeah, this was a first foray for us and it rounded out a solution to take into the wild with you.
1: Is there any consideration that you make as a brand when you look at the existing market and you think, man, there are so many excellent brands out there and so many awesome tent options, whether or not it's actually worth breaking into that space?
2: yeah for sure every time <laughs> i mean any any product any category that we think we might want to delve into and the guys work on this all the time um market research looking at what's out there already is is absolutely critical um you know roland our founders talked before we never make a me too product um yeah. but if there's challenges if there's frustrations with what's out there already or a solution that we think hasn't been found yet for a particular problem. That's what gets our design team excited. Um, For us with tents, it was, yeah, no different.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I personally haven't had a play with the tents yet, like Benji has for the reviews, where he's obviously, you know, set them up and been in and out of them and whatever. But just seeing them packed up in the office, when I first saw them, I was like, "Mm, what's going on here? And it didn't, it didn't strike me at first that 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 these were the new tents because visually, straight off the shelf, they look so different, and they're so cool, and they look so innovative in just how they're packed. And like you know, ninety nine percent or one hundred percent of all other Cedar Summit gear, they're just so considered, and that's what I really love about Cedar Summit is that if you're someone who does use a lot of equipment or you have been around the traps a lot and you've done sort of different outdoor adventures and things a lot of the time there there's gear that you have and you're like oh wouldn't it be great if it had this and almost every single time when i'm using a cedar summit product i think to myself wouldn't it be great if it had this and then i'm go to sort of use it the way i intuitively would use it and it's like that is already there like yeah. it's it's very very cool um so yeah these tents these tents are very exciting
0: i think there's only a handful of brands when they create something that you really stand up and think I really want to have a deep or close look at these because quite yeah. often it's a, it's like you said, Ross, it's a me too product. They, if it's a, a dome tent or a, or a, you know, a tent with a similar frame, it's kind of the same thing. And they've thrown a few of their own little features in there and it pitches the same and it kind of does the same job. But when Cedar Summer said they were making tents, I certainly stood up and thought, well, this will be interesting because we know It's not going to be a me too product. And having set them up, Lauren used the word before considered, everything is considered down to, uh, you know, the, the things that you put, the pegs, the, you know, the angst for the pegs and how the fly clips to the inner and all of those things. And, uh, the videos that I did ended up being really long. Um, not because I was trying to say a lot of stuff, but just at every point I'm stopping a videographer saying, you've got to show this, this works. Like this, this, this is just really smooth and look, and you know, you pitch the vestibule out and, the fabric's tight on both sides. You don't, you're not kind of moving. Like it's just made really well. I'm
1: I'm realising that we've got Ross as a guest on to talk about his tents. We're we're just doing doing it all for him. (laughs) (laughs) Before we move on to um, delving a bit more into the development process for um, you guys, obviously not having made tents before like this, where do you see yourself now breaking into the market in terms of other key brands?
2: yeah it's a good good question we We know we're operating at the top of of the pyramid if you sort of think of it that way yeah. um that's really where we are for our brand um so tents is is no exception we're making the highest quality lightweight tents um yeah. ultralight tents I should probably say yeah. um that we that we think you should buy um that's that's where we operate so there's some decent brands there for sure and as we talk a little bit more about some of the features we'll talk to you about. You know what we or how we approached it differently and some of the challenges that we've noticed that we wanted to fix in, in how we've designed and brought this
0: product to life okay well let's awesome. jump into the features so i think yeah. we've noted here it's like 2019 or something you had your uh, like your specialist solo and duo they were single skin really lightweight um uh, tents so there's quite a gap between then and now between having a tents as a core part of your range is that because your the process takes so long and you know, let's let's sort of start to talk about your design process i suppose from there so I must admit,
2: Ben, I had to do a little bit of research before jumping on. So the specialist is that the twenty twenty ten twenty eleven we we brought it to market. Okay, um, and we wow. we continually. We continually say shelter because it really it was very niche. It was a product that was fantastic for a small amount of conditions. Uh, commercially for us, it, it wasn't very viable. Um, it was quite expensive to manufacture, and I think 2019, the date that you have, is probably when the final one. Um, yeah, that was, out. that was
1: the last yeah. catalog it was in. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there you go. Nice. Um, they're they're so actually my us-
1: monitor risers. The old Cedar Summit catalogs. So I was like <laughs> thumbing through them. Anyway, go on. Sorry to interrupt you
2: um okay um i think for us i mean it's it's so important to allow innovation within a design process um to try and squeeze too much in you you can compromise on sort of you miss out on something because you're trying to do too much at once so we really sort of parked the concept of shelters for a few years we focused on other areas sleep systems as you can see and, and talked about already was a big area for us so we really came back to shelter story and a tent story um in it will be sort of probably around the 2019 mark um but our design team are really working two three years ahead of what you actually see on the shelf of, of your store and what people have in their hands now
1: so how does that even um i guess how do you even start to develop a pro- product like what are the sort of yeah the first few steps there
0: because you guys don't just go to a factory and say, oh, we want one of those in a different color. Like it's, it's a totally, I'm making an assumption here, but yes. it's a totally different process for you guys. It's from the ground up, right?
2: A hundred percent. It's, It really is. It takes into account so many things. Um, and it's, it's looking at market research. Um, you know, it's looking at what's out there problem solving is just such a massive part of what we do. Um, You know, new material development and fabrics that, you know, didn't exist 20 years ago become available. And we then sort of go, oh, how can we use that? What can we put, what product can we put that into to solve a problem that wasn't solvable in the past? Or is it just a simple design tweak that makes this product, you know, stronger and still make it, yet make it lighter weight? So, there's there's a lot of problem solving and a lot of conversations first before we then start you know sketching concepts sketching ideas. Um, so for us tents, it was, it was a lot of that. What's out there already? Where do we want to play? You know, is it is it developing a four season alpine you know tent or is it more of a uh, carrying it yourself uh, freestanding model? And, and we have all these considerations. We end up then with a brief, I suppose, given to our design team. Um, Keep them a little bit within some boundaries but give them enough scope for innovation. Yeah, cool. Um, So
1: you're, um, you know, you've talked a bit about focus groups and things in terms of your product mm -hmm. development. Do you, um, I had a thought and I've forgotten where I'm going with it. Right. So obviously, (laughs) um, as we talked before about how things are considered, your, your gear demonstrates that it's being designed by people who actually use it is that a fair call to make
2: yeah massively um our design team are consistently out of the office um which is great uh both for them and also for the product that they deliver too um and we've got a pretty active crew here and of course you know moving forward modern world we, we work with ambassadors we have athletes around the world and for us too, being a global brand also really helps because you get insights from absolutely everywhere mm. um West Australia um, is, you know, West Australia. We can test products to some pretty harsh conditions. Yeah. Um, but the hills behind me are about the tallest that we've got and uh, you don't see snow on them. Yeah. So it's important to to take our products to different areas um, and, and really collaborate.
0: So – I heard
1: you starting to talk and I was like, "Ah, I've already talked a lot.
0: Talk about timelines and stuff. Do you want me to jump on to that or have you got a question beforehand? No, No? that's okay. Okay, I was, I was basically
1: going to ask a similar thing.
0: So there's obviously a process from, yeah, your market research design team, get it. There must be prototypes and then there must be testing there. Well, I know there's testing there because you guys test things to the nth degree before it hits the market, and then finally it, it goes out to the market. Now the tents sort of went to market, and then there was a bit of a delay, and now they're, they're wholly available now. But what sort of time frame is there? Well, let's just talk about the tents. Obviously, a, a, a X bowl is going to be a shorted shorter process than tents, but- You think you- so. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Maybe not. <laughs> so with the tents, like how long was the whole process of, from, from idea, or yes, we're gonna do this, to mm-hmm. all right, now we're ready to hit the market?
2: It's a bit of a balance for us, too, because you could spend so many years continually trying to tweak, but by the time you come out the other end, you know, the technology that was fantastic when you started is already out of date. So, you know, you want to take enough time, um, but not too long. So for us, uh, from from start to finish was probably about two and a half years for tents, Um, but there was no distractions either. So it allowed the guys to just focus on tents. And when we're talking about, you know, why it's taken us probably so long to enter the market, it's because we knew when we did it, we wanted to do it right. So probably about two and a half, half years. And Ben, you alluded to it already, but you know, supply chain complications that mm. you know the world is very much aware of. Um, when you're making high quality product, very technical, you need a, a certain quality of labour to be able to manufacture, and then high quality materials to go into it. The tent industry was was heavily impacted. So while we launched the tents globally and. You'd be 2021. We really haven't had a consistent supply um, until the start of this year. So a um, bit of a shame, but such is the nature.
1: Yeah. I think it's fair to say people don't often consider that it's not just the manufacturing of the final product. It's also the manufacturing of the materials and then the supply of the raw materials to make the materials that you mm. like. It's a, it's a very big domino
0: effect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh- Leads me onto a question about uh, manufacturing and um, factories. There's always the talk about made overseas and made in Australia, which is a topic we've talked about in in the podcast now. But to make a high quality tent, you must have factories that you work closely and have a, a large amount of trust in to produce the products that you're going to send out to your consumers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tense is is quite unique in itself, too. It's a, um, you know, when you're dealing with such lightweight materials, um, stitching, sewing, um, that sort of part of the process is incredibly um, precise. You know, small errors will quickly get found out when when you're using product in the wild. So, yeah, we absolutely work with um, the best out there. Um, And honestly, a lot of other brands do, too. Uh, when it comes to then other components, be it the poles, and this would probably be a nice segue for us, you know, we partner with DAC, uh, their South Korean uh, aluminium company. Uh, they are the best in the world. Um, totally global leading um, sort of ability to extrude aluminium and, and create create ten poles that are used by a lot of other
0: brands.
1: Yeah, like Helinox um, Chairs, for yeah. example, which are amazing.
0: So you teamed with a designer, uh, Jake La, I think the name was, um, from Helenox for the design in these tents. Is, that's correct, isn't it?
2: It's close. So Jake is the owner of, uh, the founder, I should say, of DAC. Oh, sorry, DSC. Um, no, okay. I
0: said, yeah. no, I meant DSC. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry. So, to Jake. Yeah. So, this was an interesting one for us. It's a bit more of a collaboration from the outset. So, we, um, you know, as a design team came up with some concepts and things we wanted to improve. And again, we'll come on to these. Um, the actual architecture of the tent, however, came from some ideas and conceptualization, conceptualization from Jake himself. And it was kind of a match made in heaven because his architecture, which is the tension ridge that we have on our tents, really enabled the the features and the benefits that we wanted to bring into a tent as well. So um yeah, a real collaboration on this project. So, so that's the name why, that's
0: stamped on the tent, that, that designer. Yeah. Sorry. So mine.
1: why um I mean let's talk about these aluminium poles versus say some of the other higher end uh tents on the market that use carbon. Mm -hmm. Why did you guys go with aluminium?
2: Yeah, so aluminium for us, um, I mean, strength uh, is is massive. It's important. You still need flex in a tent pole, of course, but you need an element of rigidity too so your tent can keep its structure. Carbon is a little more flexible. The biggest thing is that if you have a failure of a carbon pole, it is catastrophic to your tent. Um, That is not field repairable. That is um, doomsday sort of stuff. Um, and then finally, too, a benefit of carbon. Of course, you think about ultra lightweight, but because we're partnering with DAC, you know, global leaders in extruding ability of aluminium, mm. you know, the weight benefit isn't actually that significant. So, um, okay. pretty easy, pretty easy decision in the end. And yeah,
1: so just ultimately weighing up the pros and cons, and with current technology around aluminium, I would say the leading pro for carbon is often weight, and if that's not that much of a consideration, the cons become.
0: Yeah, the, the balancing
1: factor. Okay, interesting.
2: Mm.
0: So go on. How about uh, uh, this uh, segue to here with the uh, carbon pole breaking, um, aluminium pole being repairable in the field, they all come with a little repair sleeve. So how mm-hmm. much did field repairability or field maintainability come into the whole design process?
2: Yeah, it's it's important in every product. Um, you know, a sustainable product is one that lasts and one that can be repaired as well. Um, that's important for us. So, it, yeah, A pole sleeve, so if you sort of don't quite have the pole sections together or you find a small break in the field, um, you can still repair that and use it. It also then as you guys will, you know, I know you can do yourselves, but really easy to replace a pole section um, when you're actually then back home or work with obviously us as, as the brand or your sort of retail partner to make sure that you have that service. So that's a really critical piece. Every tent also ships with repair patches too. Um, and when we think about the materials, we'll probably probably talk about it, the materials that we use on a fly and a floor, um, the particular coatings that you have enable us or enable you, again, if you have, a possum chew through your tent or maybe a stick fall on it or, or something more sinister, um, allows you to repair that as well in the field and get an immediate adhesion um, without having to worry about, you know, getting through the night. Yeah, yeah okay. awesome.
1: So I want to do talk a little bit more about materials. I, I want to um, go into your fly, especially with your more ultralight tents. But before we do that, your flooring. So, you know, polyethylene versus polyester and, and things like that. Why have you gone with your polyester flooring?
2: challenge it we actually have polyether which is okay
0: right i said that in a video and i thought that's different yeah yeah i'm interested in this yeah yeah, so i'll let let you talk
2: (laughs) so so what 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 you see with the polyether though is is a coating so um nylons and polyesters they're your two materials that you're playing with um right and For us, being an ultralight brand, you know, with delivering product that you're going to put in your pack, um, you want it to be lightweight. Nylon uh, offers the best weight um, strength ratio. So nylon is commonly used as your foundation, I suppose, for a material. Challenges of nylon, um, abrasion resistance, UV, um, waterproofness as well. You still need to coat it. So we then have a balance of coatings that we use to deliver what we think is then the best of the optimum. And, you know, for example, repairability is something that would come into consideration. Widely used coatings will be silicon, so you'll see sil um, in the name. Silicon is hydrophobic, it's great at repelling moisture, gives UV protection to your your nylon fabric as well. Um, Also widely used is a PU, so a polyester urethane um, coating, which again helps to prevent the nylon from sagging too much when it's wet um, and provides additional strength. A drawback of a PU coating is that it is susceptible to hydrolysis. So if you've ever had a tent and you've pulled it out after not using it for a few months and it's a bit tacky, it's a bit sticky, it might even have a pretty nasty pong. This is the coating breaking down on your tent and ultimately it's it's nearly unusable after that point. Um, we use polyether urethane. So polyether urethane is far more, um, well, it's it's not as susceptible to hydrolysis. Um, it is hydrophobic, more hydrophobic and it's not been as readily available and it's a little more expensive so that's why we use it it's a better product it sort of um it negates those downsides of hydrolysis uh, while still giving us the benefits of giving structure to the nylon not sagging we still have a silicon coating as well um, for additional protection there um and you know durability in the long term as well um it's uh, it's a real big win for us
1: and so that's do you use that coating across the flooring as well as the fly
2: yeah, we use that on flooring and fly. Um, honestly, it was probably going to become more widely available and widely used. Um, it's something that we jumped on as soon as we realised that there was a fabric out there that was it ticked the box for us and, and met our criteria.
1: So um, I've got a, a question with that. Are you um, – so you guys have a Cedar Summit factory, right? That's a dedicated factory. Are you relying on – your people on the factory end to keep you up to date with that? Or is that part of your in-house product development team to have their finger on the pulse with these technologies?
2: A combination, but predominantly our in-house team. And um we'll probably talk about it on a separate podcast yep. but you know uh, the the breadth i suppose globally the reach of our team means that we do tend to keep a, a finger on the pulse it could be a textiles fair that we're attending in europe to see the latest and greatest from a particular brand mm-hmm. we'll then work with those suppliers to bring it to a, a suppose a a final place where it's all compiled and put together
1: yeah Awesome.
0: So it, I, I should remember because I did the videos, but it's polyester floor and fly that you use on your tents. Is that right? It Wasn't nylon? No. I think the inner so is no, nylon. So,
2: so it is a nylon fabric, yep. treated, so coated with a SIL and PEU, right, okay. so polyethylene urethane. So nylon. We'll always use n- nylon. Is just the strongest. Okay. It's the strongest for its weight, and so where weight is so critical for us, and this is the same for any other sort of premium ultralight tent, um, nylon's going to be the way to go. What treatments a brand then uses on the outside of that material um, is where for us it's a little unique that we're using PEU. A few others do. We're not we're not the only ones out there, but for us, um, the benefits of, of using that material, um, you know, we've spent a bit more using it. It's a, it's a it's a win.
0: Okay, so I remember a question from from the past where. Um older tents before this um, technology uh, a lot of tents used a polyester flyer and the benefits they spruiked with the polyester flyer was that it didn't sag like you mentioned before when it gets wet nylon is certainly um, stronger more abrasion resistance uh, fine when it's dry but as soon as it gets wet it, it sags and i remember speaking to people in shops for many years ago mm-hmm. saying so i woke up in the morning i'm wet because their fly had sagged and they got wet inside but what you're saying now is these coatings are largely overcoming that so the benefits of of nylon now are far outweighing the polyester yes Yes. I so just I just said that myself. You did. <laughs> um, that was a rhetorical question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you just want you just want Ross to go correct, Benji. Yes. Well yeah. done, gold star. No, just- <laughs> <laughs> so um back to the fly. Something that I have come across a lot working in this industry is people who do purchase ultralight tents, potentially using it for one trip, maybe two, max next time they go to pull their tent out like you say, hydrolysis, delamination, tacky, you know, a, a $1,500 tent essentially in the bin. Um, I'm assuming having the the polyether in and of itself doesn't necessarily offset that. Is there – how do you sort of recommend people care for their tents, especially between trips, to get the most out of the materials you're using?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, care for gear is is really important, right? And sometimes it's easy to think if you're spending a lot more on something, um, then you shouldn't need to spend as much on caring for it but mm. i always think about if you've got a ferrari in the garage you probably don't leave it out on the street overnight you probably take a bit more care and in, that's in a good, yeah, good or, point Yep, yeah. um, yeah, absolutely and so for us yeah storing a tent always want to be drying it out beforehand absolutely acknowledging full well that when you're out in the field if you're on a multi-day hike that's not going to be the option that's mm. okay but as soon as you're home and you've got the capacity to do so drying out the flies is really really important um I'll segue slightly, I suppose. We have other accessories for our tents. You know, I, I would always recommend someone uses a ground sheet. Um, if if they've got the capacity to add a few tens of grams into their pack, um, the longevity of your the floor on your tent is is gonna be yeah, far improved. So
0: I always say it's cheaper to replace a ground sheet or a footprint than it is to re- try and replace a, a tent mm. fly. a uh, tent floor, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I have also heard that um, it's best where possible to keep your tent inner and fly in like a larger, say, mesh sack, for example, as opposed to in the original tent packaging. Is that something you would agree with, with your tents?
2: I think m- more so keeping it dry, far more important. Okay. Um, if you're rolling it up in exactly the same way and packing it around and you can imagine you're folding on the same crease consistency yeah. consistently, then I would – discourage people to do that um if you're stuffing it into the bag so long as it is totally dry then then that's going to be absolutely fine
0: okay um, cool is that okay just, and I was just also, sorry
2: i was, gonna say, I was just going to also add if you did damage a component of your tent it's another element of, you know, aftercare, I suppose, is that us as a brand holding on to sort of spare parts that can be purchased. So, um, you know, we haven't had a massive amount of stock in, in Australia in the past. As we now do, we will have spare components to, you know, enable someone to purchase a new fly if they've had an accident or a, mm. an inner for a tent if, you know, again, the same reason. So that's an, just another important element to it, that the components can be purchased separately.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. I was always going to say that before, uh, as snowy as we can vouch, that. Um, investment in it. It's not a, a, the cheapest product by any means, but you're buying not just the product, but support but for the product as well. But you're investing in the brand well. for sure, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, do you guys offer a repair service or is it more along the lines of here's parts for self-repair or both?
2: Um, a, a little bit of both. And we don't run repairs ourselves. There are some fantastic partners in the country. Um, some of them also geographically closer to the yeah. majority of our population. So depending on the issue, um, we'll treat them on a case-by-case basis at this stage.
1: Okay. Cool. Now,
0: we jump into the tent range.
1: Yeah, I want to talk more about the range because I haven't had the fortune of like you having actually playing with them. Um on paper and on your website, there's not really a clear difference straight off the bat between the uh Telos and the Alto. So can you run mm-hmm. us through those two lines?
2: Mm. Yeah, and I might take uh, one step back as well. We've talked it. a bit about all the Problem solving and what we wanted to try and achieve with these tents, um, we really boil it down. And like Ben's experience filming the videos, you can continually find more and more features. Um, sometimes it can get a little overwhelming understanding where to start and talking about a product. Uh, we've really boiled it down to just sort of three things. And, and this was problem solving again. Um in looking at what was already out there so the first of, of which was space um having a tent that had more space in it you know if you're having to hunker down um, or getting in and out of it and you know, i've been in your videos sort of how you get in and access the tent um space is critical so height of a door and you know just internal volume if there's a couple of you in there so space was one ventilation is also really important um that's just a challenge of, of small lightweight tents Condensation can happen. Um, so, again, we've got vents in particular places, uh, functionality to allow greater airflow. Uh, and then a final one being versatility. Um, for us, intense, that's multiple pitch options depending on the conditions. Uh, we're blessed in Australia with some pretty nice weather a lot of the time. And so, having a fly sort of partially open so you can see the stars, but then being able to quickly deploy should the weather turn um, is pretty important too. So, space versatility and and, sorry space ventilation and versatility are the three things that i'll probably keep coming back to as i talk about some of the features on these tents Mm -hmm.
1: just quickly before we continue on you mentioned before ground sheets as an optional accessory Mm -hmm. that's um one of the key accessories for that versatility
2: um it it is a part of the versatility um i'd say it's the tents and especially the Telos, there's a lot of versatility within that model, regardless of the ground sheet or not. Um, okay. More so for us, that's definitely just a, a value add for longevity of your tent.
1: Okay, cool. So okay. you can, I'm assuming, with all of the tents, you can set them up multi-pitch with just the ground sheet and the frame and the fly.
2: This is where we then change slightly between the models. Okay. So. Um, and I'm going to answer as many of these the best I can. Okay. Um, I should have prefaced as well as we're talking about the chemical compounds of uh, of uh, fly materials. Hopefully there's not sort of uh, engineers on there that will question me, but from an outdoors <laughs> Do standpoint, I someone, feel I quite confident. Someone will.
0: <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Somebody we'll probably say, will, Ross. but that's completely
1: <laughs> fine. And you, like we both, Benji and I, often, you know, acknowledge the fact that a lot of the time we don't really know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We just, not, do the, we just do the best we that we, the we can. We just start the conversation. Yeah, and we're happy <laughs> yeah. for people to be like, oh, that's a bit wrong. Because um, no, okay. we still learn, you know what I mean? We all learn.
0: I I had to actually call you, Ross, while I was uh, filming the videos for these tents at one stage. to go, this doesn't quite seem right. Like how, how does this work with the, the fly-only setup? Mm. So, I mean, I'll let you you talk about the details. But from my experience, they both work without a ground sheet, without a, a, a footprint. Sorry, is what I was referring to. Um, but they work better with a footprint.
2: Correct. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll
0: let you talk about the mm. yeah the differences between the the alto and the telos there.
2: So fundamentally, um, freestanding or semi freestanding um, construction. So what that means a freestanding tent, which is the Telos range, you you can get away without using any pegs at all. Um, the tent will stand up by itself. This is. Ultimately, a more popular style of tent. Um, there's plenty out there that have that sort of structure and that style. Um, so that's that's the freestanding element. And then we have the alto, which is our semi-freestanding. So um, semi-freestanding, it needs some pegs. It needs some additional sort of tethering um, to, to keep it pitched um, and in its best position.
0: So people would go for the alto, which is a semi-freestanding, over the telos just for the, the slightly site like benefit in weight savings?
2: Yeah, so the the main sort of architectural reason for one being freestanding and not is uh, the amount of poles that we have in them. So poles go into each corner of the freestanding model. Um, we have sort of three, I suppose, um, points of contact with the ground uh, of our poles and the alto. So yeah, so you save a little bit of weight there. So the alto model then comes in a one person and a two person. So that's our only one person option because if you're buying a one person tent, weight is important. If weight's important, cool, we go for the semi-freestanding. Um, and then in the Telos, the freestanding model, uh, we have a two-person and a three-person model. Okay.
1: And you also have the uh, a bike-packing version of both?
2: Yeah, and, I mean, within those as well, we also have a fabric and a mesh inner option. So. Okay. Hard, I suppose, to probably explain over a podcast and go through. Um, It's a really important one to probably graphically see uh, on a screen. Uh, The nuances between a hydrostatic head of a floor on one model or the grams that are increased by having a a fabric inner versus a mesh inner. Mm -hmm. um, Benefits ultimately are slightly more insulation, so a little bit warmer by using a, a Fabric inner instead of a mesh. Um, I quite like the mesh myself. It gives me a greater visibility and, and improves improved airflow through the tent as yeah. well. Um, so yeah, each model comes in a fabric and a mesh option. And like you said, Lauren, yeah, we also have a couple of bike packing options.
1: Okay, so when you are purchasing the tent, as obviously your whole tent, does it come does it come with a mesh or a solid as the standard?
2: So we have we have a, a Telos and a Telos Plus.
1: Okay, right. Uh, so
2: it's an option so that, that, that will that would dictate whether you, yeah, whether it's yeah, To a- yeah, yeah. so the telos yeah. I is do. The mesh. I'm just
1: thinking, lack like of um, other brands that I've been familiar with. You buy a tent, and then there's a, a winter inner that you can purchase as an accessory. But as a standard, it comes with like a, a summer inner or something like yeah. that. But
0: so the standard Telos or auto has a mesh inner. The Plus has the the nylon, which is a white inner for warmer. But then your bikepacking versions, which is this. Hang on, before here.
1: we move on really quickly, okay. I'm assuming that if you do choose to say buy the Plus. And then down the track, you actually want the mesh in you can purchase the mesh in separately?
2: It's something that we expect to be available. Um, okay. Honestly, at the moment, Lauren, because the tents, you know, again, again, coming back to that sort of stock level, we haven't had a massive volume in Australia. We're going to, sort of, again, case by case basis. It's not something that we publish on our website or, you know, wholesale to, to retailers to offer as a spare part. We do have them though. So it's it's going to be a bit of a sort of learning curve for us in seeing whether they become a, you know, visibly sellable item. Or but a I do or
1: suppose potentially that would be more of a smaller number of the population, you know, who would want something that um, fine-tunable. Bespoke.
0: <laughs> yeah, bespoke. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I you thought- and I are the same. Like we would both much prefer a mesh. Well, Because you know, we both like to have
0: ventilation, ventilation and, and the think,
1: cold air on your face and it's just so nice. Yeah, anyway. I mean,
0: I, I think I've I, I opened your opinion on this, Ross, but I think uh, with a mesh inner, you get ventilation, so you can use it in pretty much all climates. In terms of stability, it's the same in, in the wind and the rain. Um, you can still warm up a mesh inner with a good sleep system, but you can't necessarily, even though you have got extra vents in the nylon inner, uh, or the, <laughs> sorry, the full um, – a uh, full fabric inner, you can't necessarily cool it down as much as you can a mesh. So I think if you're if you're using a it less in a cold, versatility, a less versatility. Yeah. if you're warm, using it in a cold environment all the time, then a full fabric inner is going to be more beneficial. But if you're in WA, then you're probably going to be happy with a with a mesh inner. <laughs> yeah.
2: That that's it. And that's where, you know, it's different climates here and we're not too dissimilar to where you are, I suppose, in South Australia too. Um different parts of the country, it's it might be a different consideration. Um mentioned briefly before we have slightly different thicknesses on the floor as well when you look at the plus models so that may be a consideration for someone and as always encourage them to look at the range and and just to you know work out for their own personal requirements which one better suits their sort of typical conditions i suppose
1: yeah for sure Um, let's go into bike the bike packing tent
0: okay quickly
1: all right (laughs) when you talk
0: about the visual representation check out the videos we've got on our product pages because our videographer has done a really good job of trying to Show the differences show the there differences. To, of, okay. of what they look like, but yeah, the bike packing this version. Bi- now, I'm
1: not a bike packer, but I want to become a bike packer now, no, but, just so I can justify buying. But this you said the thing
0: is, I, I don't think bike this is packing just version of the tent. This isn't just for bike packers, right? Because if you take the bike packing specific elements out of this and just take the tent, I think it's 25 grams heavier than. So this is the Telos, that's the Telos, uh, this is the bike packing version. What's inside of some people those are bags, listening to this
1: visually. We have, uh, listening to this or, yeah, you know, through their podcast app, we, we do have um, some stuff on the bench in front of us. So if
0: you strip the, the packaging away from both Telos versions that we've got in front of us here, from what I saw, there's about 25 grams difference. Yeah, And, right. the, and mm-hmm. I assume that's because the poles weigh a little bit more because mm-hmm. I'm-, I'm I'm doing the talking instead of you here, Ross. But I'll well, the, throw to you the, now. The a-
1: sacks look like they're a bit more heavy duty. Well, it's a heavy it's, sacks, a heavy, it's right? a heavy
0: duty sack made for bike packing. But I, I look, reckon if, we you might just, throw if you're, to you're Ross- not watching
1: us on YouTube, they're boss. Yep. They just if you if someone says describe the new Cedar Summer bikepacking packing tents in one word, it's boss.
0: They're, pretty, they're really versatile. But I reckon if people are also not watching us, they won't see Ross sitting there going, oh, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I can probably tell you about that." <laughs> so why don't you tell this us about great. the bike? Tell us about the bike packing versions because I, I actually just we did a very quick video on this this morning and strapped it on a on a um on a bike and it's not just for bike. It's got bike packing specific okay, designs. So sure <laughs> it's not just for bike packing. Anyway, over to you now, Ross.
2: Oh, you nailed it,
0: Ben. There we go. <laughs> All right, Let's move on. Um,
2: so- Bike bikepacking as a, I mean, as a community and uh, an activity in itself is something that it, it is growing a little bit, and we know that our products are used in that space. More often than not, though, you don't need to change a product of ours to become a bikepacking product. So, you know, a sleeping bag, a sleep system, the mat. You know, the requirements are that it's packable and we already have that. So Mm. uh, that's already in place. When you look at a tent, however, um, a little bit different. And the main thing is the length of the poles. So uh, the length of the poles all of a sudden becomes a little bit of a problem. Where do you store them on your bike? It's not easy. And so our bike packing model... um, that's the main difference to the product itself is we have shorter pole sections. So visibly, when it's pitched, um, you would not be able to tell the difference. All of the functionality is exactly the same, but we've shrunk the the length of the pole sections. And then, from a storage standpoint, where would it typically go on your bike? Um, we've put the uh, this parts of the tent into, as Ben's alluded to, some heavier duty storage cells, um, which they themselves come or ship with some of our stretch lock straps uh, to clip easily to the forks um, of uh, of your bike.
0: Yeah. Cool. There you go. And, and you- it's just,
1: it's like when we're talking about things that are, you know, considered, it's like even the buckles on the sacks that the components of the tent go in have like hyperlon dust cover type things on them so you're not, smashing your buckles mm. and it's just i don't know it's just really cool
0: and these these are all uh filled replaceable buckles and everything on here these straps are really tough um yeah if you do bikepacking and hiking and mm. this covers both sides of the story there is a pretty cool feature with your hiking ones in that your storage bags then become storage pockets inside the tent so everything gets used there's no Things apart from a, a bag of you're not pegs that you're you have not got use. a random
1: storage bag that you forget about that blows away in the night no, and you can't right. find yeah, it yeah. the next day.
0: Um, everything's used, but this these are slightly different. They don't clip in as um, storage bags, but um, but yeah, everything's considered. Um, so yeah, there are if you if you do a bit of bite packing, then the bikepacking packing version is going to cover every every element. Now, have you got any more questions on those, Lauren?
1: Well, I um so talk us through the like you not your bike packing version but your standard telos and um alto talk us through how they're actually packed you know and everything that's sort of considered in in what you're looking at when it's a Mm. you know a a fully packed product there
2: Mm. yeah i mean ben's already alluded to it i suppose we we have Again, when you develop something or you have an additional feature, um, you naturally then need to come up with a name for it. So um, our fair share uh, distribution system, I suppose, <laughs> two two really nice um, sort of stuff sacks, uh, one for the inner, one for the outer of your tent. So easy to distribute amongst you and your um, camping partner, uh, which then stow nicely, clip together um, and secure the poles on the out. Pegs and poles, I should say, on the outside. So visibly and and as a package, sits nicely, of course, on your shelf. But easy to also store in your shelf in your garage at home. So that's how you see it. Um, easy to distribute, say, amongst two people, um, and then each of those serves a purpose when you come to pitching the tent at night. Um, pockets, and uh, you'll see in Ben's videos the light bar that we have that sits inside. It's always finding that additional sort of feature or, or that additional sort of use for something, um, which is, yeah, quite typical for Sea the Summit. And, and I need-
1: think it's also cool if you've, you know, you've got that multi-pitch option. If you're hiking in terrible weather, and you've got a soaking wet fly and you're taking down your inner, then a lot of the time people's only choice is to really sort of stuff the fly as best as they can and and draw cord Mm. it to the back of their pack or something because they can't pack it with the tent because they're going to trash the tent inner. But you've got these two separate things um, here which obviously takes that into consideration as well. But I want to know there's like this super bougie feature that you've got here which I think is bougie. And I'm just like, what is this big hard like white plastic sort of semicircular thing here? Are so
2: our you, pole bag, yeah. I mean, it's probably, I thought like, you might be going somewhere else when you were talking about bougie, um, but the um, the no, hangout mode that we have as well. But yes, yeah, so our, our what, pole sorry, bag. Hang on,
1: have. did you say the what? Sorry, hangout mode. The, the hangout, no, hangout mode. mode. No, I'm talking about this.
0: It's the light bloody bar. light bar. That's that.
1: bougie. No, it's like you're going to go hiking and then you get this like monster big light bar to hang up in your tent.
0: woo wee
2: yeah, Anyway. It's over decent. to you, Ross.
0: We'll ta- you, let yeah. you take <laughs> it from there.
2: <laughs> oh, look, I, I mean, hard to talk. Um, <laughs> look, a- again, it's it's finding an, adi- an additional use for something that you're going to have with you. Um, you we, we offer a separate uh, stuff sack, I suppose, for your poles. Easy to, again, share amongst you when you're transporting them. Finding that additional feature, uh, yeah, we have a, essentially a light diffuser, I suppose, along the base of the stuff sack uh, and two small press studs that clip into the roof of your inner. Have a head torch poking in the side of that and it gives you a really, really nice sort of ambient lighting within your tent, um, almost like a strip light uh, in there. And then, Lauren, if you want to select your colour and or strobing, that's up to you, but yes.
0: You like to see the dark corner of the office away from everyone else's light, so you would like your diffused... Uh,
1: yes, but that also has a flicker. lot to do with people, which is why I like to go <laughs> multi-day hiking in the wilderness with no other people but strobe lighting included.
0: Look, I was, it's not – Lauren did describe that as being this enormous white stiff yeah, thing I mean, within the pack, but it's really not that. It's just a – it's but if a you panel across If you're thinking about –
1: you, you go multi-day hiking, right? And you, you consider – if someone's like, oh, a little light bar and you're thinking multi-day hiking, it's not what you would consider. Like it's – it's decent. It's like this beautiful, cool. big, yeah. decent thing. And if you think
0: about sitting in your tents at night, a yeah. headlight shining down has always got a really bright light. This yeah. allows you just to diffuse a bit of light in the tent, bit of yeah. a bit of a benefit. And um, yeah. the only downside I can see to clipping all that inside the tent is once you pack it up and you go to put it in the bag and then you realize your bag's still inside the tent (laughs) so just make sure you take the storage bags out before you roll your tent up
1: (laughs) but i want to know um what did you think i was going where did you think i was going when i said Uh, so
2: we again versatility one of those sort of three things so you know the additional space the ventilation and Versatility. So we have multiple sort of setup modes for our tents. Uh, one of which is something pretty unique, calling called a hangout mode. I uh, our working name is the tilting turtle. But ultimately, if you have <laughs> that just, makes the fly, <laughs> just, just the fly pitched by itself, um, the ability to use, and we have accessories poles that you can purchase but a pair of trekking pole work trekking poles work really well Um, you can prop up the fly to become a multi-person shelter Um, it could be sheltering from a light shower if there's not much wind um, more so perhaps in Australia from the sun Um, but uh, yeah it's a pretty pretty unique piece of kit I honestly think that not many people would be using it in that sort of setting. Uh, but then I was also surprised to talk to one of our export managers who was on a, a multi-day trip through Iceland last year and loved the feature, middle of the day, light winds, able to set it up, a couple of lightweight Hellnox chairs underneath and enjoy lunch in the middle of the day out of the out of the sun. So nice. uh, yeah pretty
0: I I gotta say I, I did demo, you know I don't even know if our videos are live yet, but I did demo. I didn't put the poles in. I just kind of held it up to show how mm. it would look. And the best way to describe it, I think, is to think of it as where a four-wheel driver or a camper would have an awning on the side of their car or take a gazebo. Mm. This is like having a lightweight version of that mm-hmm. when you're hiking and you could sleep under it too. So if it's a tropical environment, you need um, protection from the rain, but ventilation, you could pitch it up and just sort of sleep under it. Like It is it is pretty cool.
1: And I'm assuming, you know, obviously with the Helinox chairs and I've done most of the videos of those and had a fair play, you can sort of just – open up the frame and give it a shake and it puts itself together. And I'm assuming that if DAC have been involved in developing the frame of the tents, they're going to come together as easily as you would expect a Helinox chair Mm. to as well. It's not like you're going to be spending 15 minutes trying to put the frame together.
2: Yeah, of course. um, Shot-corded temp pulse. uh, Again, Probably industry standard, really, um, and colour-coded then as well to a specific um, part of the tent. So really easy to, to pitch. Um, yeah, Ben can talk to that. He's pitched plenty in the last <laughs> few days. Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> for sure. So um, your Telos uh, and your outer obviously your ultralight tent range, you've got a semi-freestanding and a fully freestanding. Talk to us about the Icos, which is on the poster behind you for those watching. Where does that sort of fit in? What's your target market there?
2: Yeah, and uh, that's a, a really good question. A question that we've we've had a lot as well. Um, we we love the feature set that we've delivered with the Telos and the Alto. Um, we are targeting like we've talked about before the top of that pyramid. Um, there's a price to pay for that, but we have we're really happy with what we've delivered. We wanted to have something that offered maybe a little more value, um, but didn't lose some of those features and the benefits that we've really um, sort of hit the mark on. So that's where the Ecos think a Greek distributor corrected us and told us that we should pronounce it ECOS. Okay, so we'll go with that's that. Where the ECOS, okay. That's where the <laughs> ECOS um, came in. So we could um, update, tweak some of the materials and, and drop out a couple of the features that we had um, without losing the fundamentals of space, ventilation and versatility uh, in a product that's, so it's about 30% heavier, um, but it's 30% lighter on your wallet. Okay nice,
1: so I'm assuming that that's still even though it's thirty percent heavier, it's still um, say a valid option for multi-day hiking or, or adventures where you do have to carry the tent if you're budget conscious.
2: yeah, for sure it's it's funny talked about it before working in the outdoor industry previously it feels like only 10 years ago you know a 2.2 kilo 10th about the lightest weight out there and yeah. that was yeah. awesome and this is, this is sort of the area that our ecos now sits even though for us we're not we're not chasing super lightweight um a couple of other things on it it's also a, a totally uh, symmetrical construction too so you can actually pitch it either way even easier to pitch and it means that spaciously inside it's they're massive uh, when you look at the floor space of our three-person you can easily fit four mummy shake sleeping mats in there which yeah. is quite cool yeah. um, even though for us it's just a three-person tent
0: and do you still have the, the tension ridge um, the uh, architecture forms part of the ECOS as well. For sure. sure. Yep. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So the same architecture, which allows us to have, you know, large vents in the right places. It, it creates that space internally, um, you know, higher walls to be able to access easily. And a lot of the things that I know you've touched on on your videos. Ben. Mm-hmm. Cool.
1: When are we getting those? Awesome. Nice?
0: Well, they're, and they're going to be,
2: yeah, uh, I think it's October time. Okay. Uh, September, September, October. So
0: we're twenty 2023, they're not in the market. Uh, we're mid-2023 at the moment. So hopefully by the end of the year, we'll see them in the market. But yeah, awesome tents. Um, I, I've, I've answered a bunch of questions, but I don't have any more. I've got and a we, couple. We've crept up to an hour almost. So yeah, that's, sorry. That's, I've um, got a
1: couple um, and they're going to be quick because it has been a long podcast. But the first one is... You talked about your specialist, um, you know, in your solo and your duo being very, very niche and not necessarily getting off the ground in the way that continuing a product in your range would need to. Given that there are brands like um, Z Packs, for example, now that are really popular and those sort of style tents are becoming a lot more to the forefront. Do you think you guys will ever dabble in, in bringing those back or, or producing something similar? I
2: think our shelter category will – as all categories do for us, will always evolve. You have to be, you have to be relevant, and you have to be looking at, you know, innovations and and where the market's leaning. So um, I don't know. I don't have any information to say yes, we're going to yeah. do this, or no, we're going to do that. Um, our team work a long way in advance, and like I say, always sort of keeping on top of things. There will always be customers that want a very specific type of product, and yeah. there's you know these cottage brands out there, cottage industry, I should say, and these small brands out there that that make some fantastic, really unique products. Yeah. Um, for mm-hmm. us, we're trying to tick the box for as many people as we can, whilst delivering something that is you know still very, very high quality.
1: Yeah, well, I guess your tarp, um, <laughs> your tarps could also feel feel that same sort of category hole, I guess, with your inner totally. tent and things as well. Do you yeah, think... so, I mean, for
2: the,
0: yeah, sorry, you're you're right, Ross. <laughs> this is for
2: the, the, the the super ultra sort of the conscious, the person that snaps their toothbrush in half and, and everything like that. You know, tarp camping in a in a sleeping bag is, is still an option, right? Um, we have our escapist tarp series at the moment. Um, you know, it's not a tent, it's not two layered, like we talked about earlier, Ben, too. So, um, there's options in our range already. Um, will they evolve? Uh, I have no doubt when. Um,
0: I'm not sure. <laughs> Do you think your tent shelter category will ever? Um, venture into larger format, and I say that on the basis that your sleep systems have have crept into um, more of a, a car la- camping space, compact mm. options for for car campers, even van life, um, or even for drivers who are trying to lighten the weight. Do you think? Do you think your tent category will ever creep into that space? Um, not in the
2: near future is my feel. Um, yeah. I think with the Ecos tent, we actually have a product that. Again, when you look at the three person, when you see it come through, it's just massive inside. That's actually a pretty decent sort of family tent that covers almost a bit of both. You could definitely see, I could definitely see myself putting it in the back of the car and, and driving down, uh, you know, the coast for a weekend sort of thing. So uh, there's other areas as well. We don't have a, a, a real sort of four season alpine sort of option at the moment either. So there's there's plenty of, uh, plenty of space uh, to, to look at, I suppose, with the category.
0: Well, watch this space. I really, I'm really impressed with the tents. Me Um, too. Having pitched them, uh, they just work. They do what they say. Well, I haven't actually slept in them, but in terms of pitching it, they pitch as they say they do, like all the seams line up with the poles. They just work. Um, All the fabrics are taut. They're a great tent. So. I already have um,
1: two hiking tents, but I will be getting a set of some one. Yeah,
0: That's so sure. many tents in the shed. I found one the other day. I forgot I had. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, have you got any more questions for Ross? I don't. Thank you, Ro- Ross. Ross, have you got anything you want to add before we wind up on the tents? I think we've covered off a fair bit. I think
2: we've covered quite a lot, haven't we?
0: There'll be there'll <laughs> be questions. Um, and any any questions around the um, what, what was it you said about the the um. If anybody of the fabrics, wants to we'll, correct
1: Ross, they'll we'll, uh, do so in, in we'll the just YouTube comments in and the
0: email address, and you can deal with <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> uh, awesome! All
0: right, no, thanks for joining us, Ross. That was a great chat. Um, yeah, check out the Cedar Summit Tents on our website. Um, but yeah, we appreciate having you here with us. Right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cool. Another episode done and dusted. Snowy's mm. camping show, nice uh, big juicy
1: one. We Snowys. haven't done a really long one for a while, no, so we haven't. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us. If you're still
0: here, Uh snowys.com.au If you want to check out all of these tents online, and keep an eye out later this year for the new Ecos. Uh, is Ecos? Am I saying ECOS. that right now. Yep. Ecos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, we'll get online as soon as uh, as soon as we can. Sweet. Thanks Catch for joining you later, us. Guys. See you next time.